We're not going to see it again for a while. We're probably not going to miss it. But I want everyone to look at the tables here, and I want you guys to wave goodbye, because this is the last Saturday night we're going to have them set up. So everyone pay, look at the tables. Say goodbye, tables. Bye, tables. You've been really good to us, tables. We love you. We think you're great. Tables, we're going to miss you, and we'll only see you at dinners and other special events like weddings and funerals. So tables are leaving. Secondly, all you guys have a bulletin. This is incredible. There are things in here that you need to know that I don't want you to miss, the least of all being that I want you guys to try something new this week. Every week, we're going to try, try this. Because I want to give you guys little steps every week to try and connect with God, connect with people, connect in community. Because I don't believe that church is meant to be done alone. Uh, I, I've never believed that, and I still have never been convinced otherwise that church and relationship with Jesus was meant to be done alone. So every week, I'm going to give you a little something that we're going to try. And so this week, try this. Next to your bed, write down a prayer list. Names of people, events in your life, things your family is in need of. Pray for it every day, all week. That's simple stuff. Listen, this is the best part. Anybody can do that. It doesn't matter if you're 95, 5, or 15, or junior high, or just like all of you here, 10, 11, 12, 13. It doesn't matter. You guys can do this stuff. So every week I'm going to have something new that you guys can try. It'll be fun. Scripture readings are on there. You guys don't want to miss that. Image of the week, we're going to be changing that next week. You'll see some changes, but that's a picture of me with an eye patch. I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty hilarious stuff. So we are kicking in to a brand new series this week. It is called The Bible. Does anyone know what the Bible is? Anyone have any ideas what the Bible might be? Maybe it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Bible right there. It's a book and there's a lot of pages in it. Okay, there's a lot of words in it. Maybe it talks about a guy named Jesus a little bit. So this is the deal. We're going to be in this series all summer long. So we're going to be talking a ton about the Bible. And this is the reason why. Did anyone watch the Bible when it was on TV? Maybe you got with your parents or you maybe some friends together and you watched. Okay, this is the thing. A hundred million people, this is mind-blowing, a hundred million people watched this show. A hundred million people said on oh, Sunday night or whatever night it was on that I'm going to take two hours out of my night because I'm interested in what the Bible says. A hundred million people, some of which who don't go to church, said that I am interested in what this book's about. I'm interested in the characters that are in this book. I am interested, and I'm not only interested, I want to talk about it. I want to have conversation because that that show, that story brought a lot of things to life, a lot of things that maybe you guys are thinking about. And we're going to get time to address a lot of that and talk a lot about that um, through the next coming series. So we're going to start this at the very beginning. And this is the coolest part. There's no better way to start a deal than at the very beginning. And this week, we're going to start off with what it says in Genesis. Now, this is the thing. Before we get into the scripture, I want to kind of bust some myths for you. Now, one of the biggest myths that I hear, especially to, you know, with students and as they look at the Bible, a lot of people think, man, this Bible is so great. This Bible is beautiful. This Bible was written to me. This is a love letter to me, just this romantic story of love, and this is to me to figure, you know, how I'm supposed to live, and, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do, and if I just keep reading this, I'm going to figure out the person I'm supposed to be, and then I can edit myself or fix myself or help other people fix themselves because they all need fixing, and then I can, you know, just keep living my life. But this is the thing. It's a myth. This is the truth. This Bible... This book of events that took place is God's story. This is God saying, I want you to know the things that happened. I want you to see the things that you were not able to see because you weren't on earth yet when they happened. I want you to know my story. 
I want you to know the things that I'm doing. You know, this is God looking at you and saying, listen, I don't want the things of me to be a myth or, or a, a, a complicated story to you. Instead, I'm going to share with you the truth of who I was, what I was about. And this is so basic to being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus. Because so many people think that this Bible, the idea is that this is us getting to God. This is how we as people get to him. But here's the issue. When we make our relationship with God, and maybe some of you guys have done this. Listen, I'll add my name to the list right off the bat. When you have sat there and said, I want to figure out how I can get to God, maybe I can look in this book and it'll tell me. It'll tell me the rules I have to follow. It'll tell me the things I need to do. And this is what ends up happening. We start to make the Bible a set of rules and a set of laws. We start to count the things we break and the things we follow. We start to make our relationship with God more of a point system, Uh, these goals that are very, very selfish in nature, because the relationship with God is not a relationship anymore, it's a competition. And this is the worst part. It's a competition between you and your friends. You know, we're talking about doing the challenge next week, kicking it off, boys against girls. Who's going to win girls? Boys, are you going to let them talk like that? You're not going to let them talk like that, are you? Look at the boys. They're They're all a bunch of apes. Put them in a jungle, right? Put them in a zoo. This is the thing. If we let the Bible become that, We see that kind of challenge, that kind of competition, not between guys and girls in this fun church challenge thing. We find that type of competition between each other because it's no longer about, I want to follow God and know his role for me. I want to follow God and I want to know more about him. It's actually more about how you, how you can be the best you you can be. And then you compare yourselves to others. And this is the thing. The Bible to me is about God and his story to us. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in God just saying, I want you to know about me. I don't want, there's some things you'll never know, but there's a ton of stuff you will know. And I don't want to be hidden from you. Here's a Bible that says a ton of stuff about me. I don't want to be secret and, you know, in the distance and you can never get to me and you can never figure out who I am. I want you to know, listen, I want you to know that you're accepted. I want to give you this Bible because I want you to know that you belong. I want you to open up and read it because I want you to know that you have a place in this. I want you to open up and read it because I want you to know that you were thought of and not just an accident. See, this is the thing. When we look at creation... We, we start to maybe get a little, a little like, man, what was the reasoning behind this? You know, we start to read Genesis, and we probably all know. Anyone know the first three words of the Bible? In the beginning. Everyone knows this stuff. But do you really know how much that mattered to God? See, before creation, it wasn't just some accident that we came to be. Before creation, he looked at us and said, I'm going to create you because I love you. Now, here's what it says in the Bible. It says this in Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse number 3. And because we're getting into God's word, if you have your Bible, open it up. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to go grab one. They're in the back corner. Because I want you to be in God's word. Every week we're in God's word because that's where the truth comes from. So go grab your Bibles. You're going to see some incredible biblical jujitsu take place. I don't want you guys to miss it. Is this your Bible? I was enjoying this. Hey, can one of you guys grab me a Bible? I want to have a Bible up here. Who's he? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson? Oh, 
my gosh, no. None of them have even seen that movie, Jason. My gosh, thank you very much. All right, guys, I want you to open your Bible. This is literally the first page, table of contents, preface, which you guys don't really care what that is. This is literally page number one. The other page is blank. This is the beginning of the Bible, and this is what the beginning of the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And here's the thing. So I want to draw you a picture. This is the very beginning. If I had a big whiteboard or chalkboard up here, this is what I would draw. I would draw the very beginning, and I would draw this murkiness and this darkness and dark and light all combined together, which is zany if you think about it. Dark and light all wrapped into one because God had to separate it. And in this picture, we see God, the heavenly Father. In this picture, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth. And because John 1.1 told us in the beginning the Word was with God and the Word was God, we know because of John that Jesus was there as well. So we have Jesus, John, or we have Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit all together. Now here's the thing. This is what's always been a big frustration to me. Maybe it's been a frustration to you. I'm really weird at asking the question why a lot. Like I will hear this about God and my first desire is to ask why would he do this? Well, I want to give you guys an answer. See, the thing about uh, Christianity that is different than every other world religion, the thing about Christianity, uh, about being a disciple of Jesus and following Jesus that is different from a lot of other religions and really every other religion, is based really on this point. Every other world religion says this, that there was a guy and he was God and he created you. Now, he was alone, so in his loneliness and his feelings of he wanted company and his feelings of he wanted to be worshipped because he was by himself and there was no one worshipping him, out of these emotions of loneliness and the desire to be worshipped and the desire to have people around because he didn't want to be by himself, he created people. That's what other religions will tell you. This is what Christianity says. It says that God was there with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, and they were in community together. They weren't lonely they weren't looking for worship. They weren't uh, by themselves and bored. They were actually together, and this was exciting because in their togetherness, they started creating. Out of their love and desire for humanity, they made us. They didn't make us because they wanted people to come to churches and worship them. No, no, that wasn't the idea. They didn't want to create people because they were lonely, didn't have anyone to hang out with. No, no, that wasn't the idea. They simply created people because they love and they wanted to show their love through what they made. You know, I, I've made a couple things in my day, and this is the thing. They're so cheesy, uh, but I'm very protective over them. Has anyone ever made, like, something when you were a kid? This is what I made, okay? I'll tell you what I made, and then I'll ask what you've made. So when I was a kid, I made this thing when I was in fifth grade where you put, like, this, uh, like this porcelain, you know, uh, liquid on a plate. It was like on a foam plate. And I was five years old, and I put my handprint, which was very small back then, on this plate. And you pull it back, and it, it, it hardens, and you have, and you spray paint it gold, and you give it to your parents. It's like this goofy church craft thing, okay? It takes five minutes to make, and takes two seconds to break. But it, as long as you have it, it just looks awesome, okay? Now, here's the thing that's so weird. This was the goofiest little thing that I created. It was the goofiest little thing that I made, but I'm very protective over it. And this is the reason why. Because I made it. Because it's mine. I saw my fingerprints on it. This thing wasn't serving a purpose of community. It wasn't serving the purpose of worshiping me. No, no, no. I made it simply because 
I wanted to, because I had the desire to. And I take care of it because I love it, because it's a part of something that I did. This is what God's saying. He wasn't lonely or abandoned or frustrated or looking for people to hang out with. He just wanted to create because he loved. He loved you, so he created you. That's so different from what we hear other places. See, the other gods that people talk about who are lonely and they want to be worshipped, but no, 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 our God who loves us and cares for us and thought through the details of us when he made us. See, he was a creator and he started creating and he created us in his image, in loving community. Now, here's the issue. In this creation, this time that he made everything, where everything was perfect, a situation arose. See, if you know anything about the creation story, you know that in the very beginning, everyone kind of lived in this place called the Garden of Eden. Adam and his wife were there. He created both of them. Uh, he created uh, the woman from his rib so that not one would be above the other, but they would stand side by side. That's why the woman came from the rib. They would be side by side. And he made this, and he said, you know, this is good about the trees. This is good about the animals. This is good about the fish and the birds of the air. But when he came to people, he said, this is very good because they're made in my image. God cared about this a ton. Because we weren't just some random thing that were, you know, created, you know, like a, like a dog or a cat with fur everywhere. And he's like, well, this sounds like a zany idea. Jesus, what do you think about this? Yeah, let's create it. Let's put a tail on it. Sounds great. And you just create these goofy things with tails. No, no, no. God said, I'm going to create these people, humanity in my image. And I'm going to put them in a garden. I'm going to let them live their life there. But here's the issue. Something happened while they were there. Something happened that would change the course of history forever. Something happened that none of us were a part of when it happened, but that we all pay the price for now. This is what happened. We see it in Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse number 1. Flip there. It's on page 2 of your Bible. This is so good. I love being in the beginning of the scriptures. So, now the, serv the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? This is what the serpent's saying to the woman, really questioning the character, questioning the word, questioning the truthfulness of God. You know, did God really say that? And there's this piece of her that in, instead of immediately saying, well, yeah, this is exactly what God said. It's part of submitting to him. It's part of listening to him. It's a part of following him. She allowed herself to be open to persuasion, to be persuaded away from what God had said. This is what it says in the next verse. The woman said to the serpent, may we eat fruit from the tree, from, may we eat fruit from the trees in the garden? But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit, eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So, she did say, no, 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 God said that we can't eat of that tree or else we're going to die. Well, here's my question to you. Why do you think he put that tree there? What do you think the purposes were for that tree being there? Do you think it was to tempt Adam and Eve? Does anyone think, raise your hand if you think it was to tempt them. If you think God, his desire for putting that tree there, it was to tempt him and to see what they were going to do. And if they were wrong, then he was going to put them in detention and it was going to be a really big deal. Does anyone think that it might be because he was looking to tempt us? Anyone think that? Okay. Does anyone think it could be because 
He just simply wanted to see what they were going to do. He's a curious God. He just created these people. He wants to learn maybe more about them, kind of like a science experiment. You know, if you've all done science experiments in school. So this was God's little science experiment. Let's put people in this garden. Let's give them some rules and let's see what they do. You think it was an experiment just to see what would happen? Anyone think that? I don't think that either. All right, this is what I think it is. I think that God wanted to give us the freedom of choice. I think God wanted us to give us the ability to choose what we were going to do. You know, this has always been my issue when it comes to creation. That I, well, not really issue, but this thing that I like, and this would be an issue if this was true. This thing that I like so much is that God gave us choice. He didn't just say, this is exactly what it's going to be, and, you know, you're a machine, and I'm going to program you, because that's exactly what a machine is. You know, when I buy a machine, like an Xbox or an iPhone, I expect it to work. I expect to hit buttons, and they work the way I want them to, and I expect not to hear any grief from Suri when I'm telling her to dial, you know, my favorite movie theater. I know sometimes she's super annoying. I know she is. But I expect her to do exactly what I say, all right? I paid 400 bucks for her, and I pay 100 bucks a month for her to work, and she's a machine, and I expect her to do exactly what I want her to do. Now, this is the thing. God did not create us to be machines. God created us to love him. And yes, to worship him. Okay, here's the thing, though. He did not create us to be machines. He gave us the freedom of choice. He put this tree here, and this is essentially what he's saying. You have a choice in this. I'm going to make very clear exactly what I want. I have the big picture in mind. I'm going to give you my expectations. I expect you not to eat of that tree. There's tons of trees here. There's all this land is yours. I expect you to have the best time ever, hang out with the animals, you know, ride horses, you know, be, you know, be naked, just run through the, the lakes and the streams, just do whatever you want. Because that's what Eden was like. It was just running around naked and just eating food and climbing trees, okay? Which sounds awesome, by the way. I know. Everyone's like, why can't we do that now? We'll get, we'll get to that. Trust me. We'll get to why we can't do that now. So God didn't create us to be machines. He created us with the freedom of choice. And he said that I want you guys to choose. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So this is what happens. This is what we see in the next verse. Verse number four. You will not certainly die, the serpent says. Verse number four. One. Next slide. There you go. My tech guy is the man. I have the best tech people in the universe. So this is what he says. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from, from your, eat it, your eyes will be opened. I'm reading really weird right now. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this is what he's saying. The serpent's looking at him and saying, listen, God's lying to you. God's lying to you. You can be like him. You can replace him. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be under these rules and just be living in Eden and you know, not having you know, the same power and authority God has. You should be like God. He starts to look at Adam and Eve and says, no, no, God, he's the jealous one. He's the wrong one. He wants to keep all this power for himself. He wants you to just be, you know, he just wants to be the boss of you. If you eat of this tree, don't listen to God. You can be like him. You can be equal. And this was the seed of rebellion. This was the start of it all. Because in the next verse, this is what it says, Genesis. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good 
for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. Okay, so this is what's happening. This is the best part, because we've all been there. We've all had this moment. We've all had this moment where each one of us knew exactly what was asked of us or expected of us. We either know from our parents that give us clear expectations. We either know from the Bible because we've read it and we read the words of Jesus and we see that Jesus wants us to love one another and care about people and serve the poor and needy. You know, God wants us not to gossip. God wants us, you know, to be uh, uh, wise people that are not hurtful to others. God wants us to treat our friends the way they want us to be treated. God cares for people. And like each and every one of us, they were given the same thing we were given, a choice. Are we going to do what God is asking us to do? Are we going to follow in the footsteps of what God's laid out for us? Or are we going to rebel? Are we going to say, no, 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 God, we know better than you. I know what you've asked us to do, but we know better. We know a better way. No, no, I know you want us to love that girl in school who sits alone at lunch. I know you want us to love her, but you don't understand. It's so much more fun to talk bad about her. You, you don't get it. You, you should try it sometime because gossip's awesome. No, 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 God, you don't get it. I know you want me to be inviting to that one guy at school. You know, I know that me and all my friends, we've been talking about the sleepover. We're going to go play paintball, and we're going to go to Sky High. And you know what? I know we're all really close friends, and I know that everyone would think I was weird if I asked that guy to come with us because he's lonely, and all he does is go home and by himself. But God, you don't know what it's like at my school. God, if you knew what it was like at my school, you wouldn't be asking me to do that. You must not understand, God. It's a good thing that I know better than you, God, because if you knew the things I knew, you wouldn't be asking me to do that. That's what Adam and Eve are saying. God, 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 listen, I know that you might think it's better that we stay in the dark about some of these good and evil things. I know you might think it's better that we not eat from that tree, but it's a good thing that we're here because we actually know better than you. Like, I know you said this is what we should do, but instead of doing what you said we should do, we're actually going to do what we want to do because we have choice and we've decided not to listen to you. Now, in that moment, in that moment when you've realized that you've made the wrong choice. See, that moment when you realize the gossip for that girl, the hurt that she's feeling, you realize that as you're leaving school and you might see her crying by the bikes because she's unlocking her bike alone and getting ready to ride home. And you might realize that maybe gossip, maybe making her feel bad, maybe bullying her wasn't the right way to go. Maybe God did know better. You know, you might realize in that moment, in that boy who has no friends, you might realize that actually God did know better. That maybe God was compelling you or asking you or prompting you to go talk to him because God does know better. And maybe you don't. And in that moment, you do the same thing that Adam and Eve did. You might not do it in front of your friends, but you do it in your heart. You desired to hide. 
you feel a shame and a blame that you just want to cover up and maybe disappear. Like, it, sin tends to do that. Sin tends to leave us feeling embarrassed, feeling like we're the ones to blame, feeling shame. Here's the thing. We've all been there. This is one of those moments that pulls the whole room together. Because this moment does not matter about what grade you're in. It doesn't matter of your gender. This moment does not matter what school you go to. It doesn't matter where you lived or what your parents do for a living or what car you're going to hop in when you leave church today. Those things don't matter. This is what matters. That there's a moment in sin when you realize that what you're doing is opposite from what God's asking you to do. That what you're doing, this rebellion that you're living against God, is catching up to you. See, this is what it says in verse number 8. The man and the woman, you have your Bibles in front of you so it doesn't matter. Oh, the screen is working. Okay, you have your Bibles in front of you. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? you? See, here's the thing. Each one of us feels that moment. That moment when we have realized that we are in sin. That we have realized that because of Adam and Eve, because of the choice that they made, we now have that same opportunity to make choices every single day. And this is the thing. We have the choice to choose God and be like him and do the things that he has asked us to do because he's provided us with his story. Or we have the choice to do opposite of God, rebel against him, not live like he's asking us to live. And for that, we feel the desire to hide and feel shame and, and feel the sense of that blame on us. Now, here's the thing. This is that big moment because every one of us has been there. Every one of us has felt that sin. Every one of us has felt, I shouldn't have done that. You know, when I was in school, I got an F one year on one of my classes. Anyone ever get an F before? Fs are the worst. Listen to me. When you get an F on a paper or a report card or something, you're like, don't you know how much time I put into this? It might have been really low quality. I might have got all the answers wrong, but I worked really hard, and I should get an A for effort or an E. I don't even know how you spell effort. That's why I failed English. I'm just kidding. I don't know how to spell effort. One laugh. It's perfect. So this is the deal. You will get this F, and you will look at your teachers, and you will be like, teachers, don't you understand? I've worked so hard. I've really tried my hardest. I really don't want this F. Maybe you should pass me. And you start to think, man, my teacher's the worst. They're punishing me. They're really sticking it to me for absolutely no reason. I can't believe my teacher would do that. But we fail to realize that that F is very much the result of our own choices. Choices to slack or choices not to study, choices to mess around. That F is the result of our choices. Here's the thing, guys. Sin is not God chasing you down and trying to stick it to you because God loves you. 
sin, that feeling of regret, that feeling of blame, that feeling of shame inside of you, God doesn't want you to feel that way. That's the result of sin itself. Listen, God didn't create you to just feel shame and guilt and, and, and want to hide from him. God didn't create Adam to want to hide. No, no, no. Sin did this. When you feel this, this emotion coursing through you, when you feel that moment where it's like, I know that I messed this one up. When you feel that, that's the result of the sin that we commit every day. It's a result of our sin. Here's the thing. We may look at God and say, man, God, you must despise me for my sin. You must think I'm the worst for my sin. You must want to punish me and give me an F and send me packing because I'm a sinner. You might think when God is looking for you and saying, where are you? He's not looking for you because he's a loving guy. You might think he's looking for you like he's hunting after you. You might feel like after you've sinned, and maybe and we've all been there. This is the best part. We've all been there, every single one of us. And you feel that moment when you have caught yourself in sin, doing the opposite of what God's asked you to do. And in that moment, you realize that God might be hunting you, and you feel in your heart, God, he's after me. He wants to punish me. He wants to, you know, everyone talks about hell, and that sounds like a terrible place, and, and he wants to send me there because he's angry at me, and he is an enraged, angry God who wants to punish me for what I did. And when we hear him saying, where are you? We hear it more of like, where are you? I'm hunting you. Where are you? Where did you go? But that's not the truth. Think of this. Do you think that God really didn't know where Adam was? Adam who sinned with Eve and ran in to hide. Do you think God really didn't know where he was? Do you think God was running through Eden yelling, where are you? I'm hunting you, where are you? Or do you think God was pursuing him? Saying, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Adam, I love you. I made you. I created you. You're very good in my eyes. Adam, where are you? God is pursuing each and every one of us. Some of you might sit there and feel like he's hunting you, like you've done wrong and he's coming after you with a paintball gun and he wants to tag you in the eyes with no mask on. Boys know what that means. Girls, I think, kind of know what that means. You might think he's hunting after you like the Hunger Games and he just wants to win the game and the best way to win the game is to end you and he's hunting you. No, 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 listen. God is pursuing you because he loves you. God is looking at you and saying, where are you? Where are you? I love you. I know you've messed up. I care about you. Where are you? Students, listen to me. Adam didn't get this yet. But I want you guys to hear it. I want you to learn from his mistakes. Listen. Come out of hiding. Come out of hiding with me. God is not looking to punish us. He's not looking to hunt us. He's pursuing you because he loves you. He sent Jesus for you. Come out of hiding with me. He's pursuing you. He sent Jesus for you. Students, listen, listen. Come out of hiding with me. Jesus 
was sent here to die for you. And God is not angry. He's not looking to punish. He's not looking to hunt. God, he's pursuing you because he loves you. As the band comes back up, some of the leaders are going to be handing out slips of paper around the room, and you're going to get it in a second. And I, as they're handing it out, I want to read this scripture to you to help frame what's coming next. This is what it says out of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. So there's this church in Corinth, and he's writing them a letter. And this is what he says. It's on the screen. Don't worry about your Bibles right now. Just look at the screen as I read this, verse 21. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus. Verse 54. When the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortal, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You all have a paper in front of you. And listen, you're all thinking, what does this message mean to me? What does it mean that God's pursuing me? Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard Jesus talked about this way. That sin's real. That we all sin and that happens and God knows that. But instead of Jesus hunting you down for what you've done wrong, God is pursuing you with open hands saying, where are you? I love you. I sent my son Jesus for you to give victory over death. Where are you? Students, come out of hiding with me. On your paper, you're going to write something. And for everyone, it's going to be different. For some, it's going to be a word that comes to mind right now. Peace, forgiven, accepted, belonging, loved, because that's what you are. For some, it's going to be a prayer to Jesus because he is pursuing you. For some, it's going to be a question that you're going to have to find an answer to. But guess what? This book is a book of answers. And if you don't have a copy of it, I'll give you one because this is where it's coming from. These guys are going to lead us in a last song. And I want you guys to write as they're leading. And I'll get back up in a second. I'm going to pray over you guys. Then we're going to take off. So we just read through Genesis, 
verse 2, chapter 2, verse 7 says that, that God basically took the dust and made human beings. He took something dirty and made something beautiful. Um, and that's the business that God's in, is that he takes dirty things and makes them clean. He takes broken things and makes them whole. And just like he made beautiful things out of the dust, he will make beautiful things out of a broken us. And that's what this song says. And we're going to sing this together. If you guys want, you can keep writing or you can sing this out.
me pray over you real quick. And before I pray, don't forget, I want you to keep these cards. Take them home with you. Put them in your pocket. Show them to your parents. Take your bulletins home too. Go through that scripture reading. That, all that scripture reading is everything we just talked about in today's lesson. So take it home with you. Read about God. Read his story. Take that thing. Take it home. Put it on your mirror. Show it to your parents. Let me pray over you guys as we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God that pursues us. Thank you for being a God that loves us. Thank you for being a God that created us out of that love, not necessity or loneliness, but love. God, thank you for welcoming us, for telling us we belong and that we're accepted. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Lord, as we get ready to have a week unlike any other week, because it's the first real week of summer, allow us to come back next week energized for the first week of the challenge and the amazing fun that's to come this summer. We pray all of this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, I'll see you next week. Come 